0: Let's continue worshiping. Let me encourage you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, the 23rd chapter, Genesis chapter 23. Uh, The context the content is really the whole chapter, but I'm only going to read the first four verses, and then I'll fill in the gaps as we go. This is week three of a three-week series on um, seasons of the soul, and uh, as Brad said earlier, this one is on seasons of grief as you're turning there getting getting ready there in genesis 23 just a heads up believe it or not next week we start advent and uh starting a sermon series next week that will take us up through christmas eve called come lord jesus a uh serious title for the for the advent season so ready or not here it comes Uh, as we anticipate the Christmas season, the holiday season, and the Advent season. It's going to be a little different. I'm going to be in Luke next week, but in the weeks leading up to Christmas and Christmas Eve, it'll be in the book of Revelation. So it's going to take an interesting look as we expect the return of King Jesus this Christmas season. Hopefully you found the first book of the Bible. It's not too difficult to find. Uh, You're at Genesis 23. Let me invite you to stand in honor of God's Word and read the first four verses with me. This is the burial of the matriarch, Sarah. Genesis 23, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. Now Sarah lived 127 years. These were all the years of her life. Sarah died in Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Then Abraham got up from beside his dead wife and spoke to the Hethites. I'm an alien residing among you. Give me burial property among you so that I can bury my dead. Jesus, this is um, not fun, (laughs) but I believe necessary. And so I pray, God, as your spirit, as, as everyone in here grieves differently, and we all have different things we grieve for, over, may your spirit join us. We are a people who are sorrowful yet always rejoicing. And we are a people who don't grieve as those who have no hope. But that takes supernatural work for us to be that way. So, Father, meet us here. Help us learn from Abraham. And would you help us by the power of your spirit know how to grieve well? I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. recently I talked to a friend of mine in Arkansas who is a former rice farmer. If you know anything about eastern Arkansas, you know there's a lot of farmland, a lot of rice farmland. And I asked him, I said, um, his name's Dustin, he's a church planter now, I said, um, Dustin, tell me what, what, what happens to the ground during the winter when it's just that harsh season, when no- nothing's going on at the farm? And we know that spring's important for planting, and we know summer's important for watering, and we know, of course, harvest is important for gathering the crop. But what about the winter? Tell me a little bit about that. We say, well, a, a good farmer will go back over the stubble left from the harvest of the rice harvest, go back over the stubble with a tractor, and break it up real fine to where the stubble, the real fine chopped up stubble, will find itself in the dirt and turn into this nasty compost, I said, well, that sounds fun. He said, yeah, it smells awful. But during the the winter months when nothing's going on, that compost forms a very healthy, organic soil for the planting of the crop. He said, but there's more. A farmer, a good farmer, really wants there to be a lot of rain, snow, moisture during the winter months, So that the moisture will go beyond under where the roots will be and be a natural source of water supply throughout the planting and summer season. And he said, Matt, when you go out to the crop, when you go out to the fields during the winter months, when nothing is happening, it's nasty it smells it's greenish you don't want to step anywhere because it's just mush and mud and marsh and all these harsh conditions sometimes it'll freeze over or frost over and then it'll get then it'll get soggy throughout the day and it's just kind of gross but if the land doesn't go through that it won't be a healthy crop and I thought you know what There is a huge truth for our souls. I don't know about you, but I try to avoid the harsh. I don't like it. I don't want the hard. I don't want the grief. I want to extend fall a little bit longer. I want to hurry up to spring a little bit faster. Honestly, I want to be a snowbird with my soul and go to where it's warm. And perhaps that's why many of our souls are in the state that they're in because we don't allow ourselves to let winter do its work. You know that if you don't grieve, your grief will show itself somewhere. If you don't let winter do its work, your soul will not be fruitful. It won't be healthy. So this morning, I want to talk about grief. Now, when I, t- when I say grief, probably the first thing that comes to your mind is the first thing that comes to my mind, the loss of a loved one. And yes, that's the most intense, probably most intense form of grief. But grief is, includes a, f- a whole lot more than just loss of a loved one. Grief, grief includes a host of other things, You can grieve over the loss of a job. You can grieve over the loss of a career. You can grieve over a divorce. You can grieve over relationships that you once had with someone, a friendship that you once had but something happened and now you don't have that same uh, relationship that you once fostered. You can lose finances and that caused grief. You can have dreams of what you were supposed to be at this point of your life and you're not there or the expectations that you had or culture or the environment that you gave yourself to promised you these things and here you are and you're not there. You can grieve kids leaving the nest. On and on and on. There are a myriad of ways that grief expresses itself. And so yes, of course it includes the loss of a loved one, but let's not forget it includes a lot of other things as well. And perhaps sometimes you found yourself acting a certain way and you didn't realize you were grieving a loss of something. I'll never forget the year 2000. I was in the apartment, if you want to call it an apartment, it was more like a glorified dorm room that my wife and I were staying in in New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. I had left a youth group that I had, was a youth minister of in North Alabama. And we had gone and I would started classes there and my wife had started a job. And I remember where I was in that apartment when I learned that the youth group that I had been the youth minister over found a new youth minister. I wouldn't have said it was grief because I wouldn't have known what to call it, but I remember feeling like I just got punched in the gut. And it came out of nowhere. I didn't see it coming. I, didn't, I wasn't expecting it. I just got news that this youth group had hired, this church had hired a new youth minister, and it hit me that I was no longer their youth minister. Grief, something that was and is no longer so what I want us to do for the few minutes that we have remaining is I want us to learn from Abraham. Abraham can give us some really good insight in how to grieve well. What I want, don't want you to do is to try to go back over the past 30, 40, 50, 60 years of your life and say, I didn't grieve that, I didn't grieve that, maybe I need to grieve that, maybe that's my problem. No, 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 you'll go nuts, Okay. I don't don't want that. Unless the Spirit of God brings something up to your mind that you need to grieve, my my purpose is for us not to go, well, I didn't grieve all that. I didn't grieve all that. That's not my purpose. My purpose is for us to move forward now and in the future, know how to grieve well and to grieve properly because it's super important. First thing I want to point out to you is that Abraham did this. Abraham gave himself permission to grieve. Abraham gave himself permission to grieve. He gave himself space to grieve. He said, this is going on in my heart, and I'm going to let myself go there. I'm not going to try to suppress it. I'm not going to try to keep it to myself. I'm not going to act like it's not there. This is happening. My heart is hurting. My heart is probably angry, probably frustrated. We know very, very sad, and he let himself grieve. Pick it up with me again in verse 2. Well, actually, you can read verse 1 with me again because that's important. Now, Sarah lived 127 years. Can you- <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not a funny sermon, but I, I, it's, it's 127 years, which means, well, we know that they were married when Abraham was 75, because that's when we know, that's when we first meet Abraham in chapter 12, which, and we know Sarah's 10 years younger than Abraham, so they were married when she was 65. So if they got married at age 65, which they know they got, we know they got married much younger than that, if they got married at 65, then they were married 60 plus years. Now just imagine, most, most people in ancient times got married in their teen years, but let's just say they got married, they waited until they were 25. This means they were married over 100 years. Now, we could, we, could, we could let our minds be creative and think all the things that he's thinking through this, but let's just be honest. He lost something of massive significance to him. A hundred and two, let's just say it, 102 years, we don't know for certain, but around there, years of marriage, and she dies. What does he do? Verse 2, Sarah died at Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan, here's this is important. Abraham went to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Then Abraham got up from beside his dead wife. We don't know how long it took. We don't know if he was there for a week. We don't know if he was there for months. We don't know if he was there for a year. The Bible doesn't tell us that. But we know that he was listening to his heart. His heart says you're hurting. You're sad. This significant part of your life is now gone. And he mourned and wept for her. In other words, give yourself permission to weep. Give yourself permission permission to mourn. It is okay. God made you that way. As I've done some done some research and talked to various people about this, again, we don't know how long Abraham took, but the most intense time time frame for grief, especially after a loss for a loved one, is 6 months. So be careful if you're saying, "Hurry up, move on to somebody." And even after that, it's at least two years before some sort of new rhythm, some sort of new normal begins. Why do I say that? Because our society tells you, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. No! It's okay. Listen to your heart and let yourself grieve. God meets you there. Now, Grief expresses itself in many different ways. We don't know what it did for Abraham other than mourn and weep. But everybody grieves differently. No same person is the same and no, uh, no human being, no two human beings are exactly the same and, and no two human beings will grieve the exact same way. And it's okay. I'm told that, I'm told that grief expresses itself through lack of sleep, Loss of appetite, loss of interest in normal activities, confused thinking, forgetfulness, fatigue, desire to isolate, anxiety. I say all this simply to say, it's okay. Let yourself grieve. And if you are walking with somebody who's grieving, let them. You know what one of the worst things you and I can do when someone's grieving? Talk. Learn a lesson from Job's friends. You know what they did for about 400 chapters in the book of Job? <laughs> Tried to talk. And you know what they're known for? Morons. If you are walking with someone through grief and you're worried about what to say, you're at a really good spot. Don't say anything. Just show up. And sit with them in it. Don't try to fix it, Ken Core, who's the congregational minister of the church at Brentwood. I'm going to allude to him a little bit later. He told me this week. He said, "You can never talk someone out of grief. You can't. Let it be." Second thing Abraham did. Not only did he give himself permission to degree, but Abraham took necessary measures for burial. Abraham took necessary measures for burial. He didn't take any shortcuts. He didn't try to make it quick. He didn't try to go about the easy way. He took necessary measures to make sure his wife had a proper burial. Look with me in verse 4. He says to the Hethites, he's in a foreign land, he's an outsider, but he says to the Hethites, I am an alien residing among you. Give me burial property among you so that I, can bury my dead. And the rest of the chapter is an argument between him and the Hethites about whether or not to pay for the burial spot. It's weird. We'll we'll talk about why in just a second. But if you were to read the rest of the chapter, it's like the Hethites find, find favor with Abraham. They even call him a prince and says, well, take it. Just find your own land. You can have it. Take whatever land you want. And Abraham refuses to just take a free one. He wants to pay what it's worth, if not more, because he wants to honor his wife. He doesn't want any shortcuts. He knows that if something is given to him free, they can be taken back, and he doesn't want that. And so they barter, and they, they, they bargain, or they don't bargain, but they talk back and forth and argue, and finally the, the leader says, okay, it's this many shekels, and he gives them this many shekels, and he buries his wife. Why is that important? Because the memorialization is critical in grief. I have people say to me all the time, pastor, when I'm gone, I just want something short, simple. Don't you don't even, it can just be a little blip. Okay. Just nothing real big. I don't, I don't, I don't want it. I don't want any burden for my family. Well, guess what? It's not for you. It's for your family. God designed us so where we would get together and laugh when we need to laugh, cry when we need to cry, and say, God, thank you for this season of my life. Thank you for giving me this person. I don't necessarily know why right now. I don't know what you're going to do next, but I want to honor you by saying thank you and, and giving you praise for this season of my life, giving you this period of my life, giving you this person in my life. It is critical that you and I have a proper funeral. Now, we know what it looks like. when we lose a loved one but maybe you don't know what it looks like when you've lost a job or you've lost a family situation or you've lost a relationship or you've lost a career or you've lost dreams or expectations and it could look a myriad of different ways perhaps you need to write down your feelings your thoughts praises anger write them down on a piece of paper put them in a box and go bury it somewhere Maybe you need to build a fire. I love to build a fire, especially this time of year. Maybe you need to just to write down as many thoughts as you can about this season that you're hurting over, about this situation that you're hurting over, and just tear them off and throw them in the fire. Maybe you need to call up a good trusted friend and said, you know what, I need to drive a stake in the ground with this thing that's happened to me. Can we go out and eat together and just share good things, bad things about that situation, about that time, and just kind of have a funeral for that season of my life and move on? I don't know what it looks like, but it's important that you recognize what God did and say that time is past. Super important. Third thing, third thing that Abraham did Abraham attached meaning and hope to his grief. Abraham attached meaning and hope to his grief. I said it earlier, I want to say it again. Here's some, here's some scripture for you. In 1 Thessalonians 4.13, Paul says, We do not grieve as those who have no hope. Christians are weird. Church people are weird, we know that, but Christians are weird. Because Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6.10, he says, we're sorrowful, yet we're always rejoicing. What? It means it's okay to grieve. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you know deep down this isn't it. This isn't all there is. You know what one of the most therapeutic things you can do when you're experiencing grief? Attach meaning and hope to it. We all want meaning when something happens that we're grieving. Why did you allow this to happen? What's going on here? Why now? Why this situation? Why these circumstances? Why, why, why? And if we don't get the answer to that, there's just nothingness, right? There's emptiness. And so what we can learn from Abraham here is he attached meaning to it, God revealed him meaning to it, and he attached hope to it. That's what a follower of Jesus does. It's what a child of God does. You say, well, where do you get that here? Well, I I told you earlier that there's like 16, 17 verses where Abraham and the Hethites are just going back and forth about this plot of land, and it's just weird. You ever read the Bible and you just think, why is this, this there? I don't know about you, but I want more details about how Abraham grieved and about the the stories he told over her body when he buried her. I want more stories like that. But i got to remember what the point of the Bible is. And there's these verses about this arguing back and forth. I'm just like, why is this here? Why is it important that Abraham bury her there? Did you catch it in verse 2? They're in Canaan. You know where that was? the land of promise who was it that died the one the promise was given to and the one who gave birth to the child of promise and they had Isaac but that was it and God said I'm going to give you a nation of people that's going to come straight from you and they're going to live in a land of promise, a land flowing with milk and honey. And I don't know when it hit Abraham, but I just wonder if he said, God, why now? Why like this? Why would you do this to Sarah? Why couldn't I be the first one to go? Why? And I just wonder if it hit him. You had it happen right now, in this way, in this spot, because I'm standing in the promised land, aren't I? It gave him meaning. And not only that, church, listen. It gave him hope because it didn't stop with him and Sarah. God was going to keep his promises whether they could see it or not. Church, I hope you know why Christians grieve differently because we talk about a man who died and rose again and one day he's coming back for us to be with him forever I don't know if we can attach meaning to everything I do believe God gives us glimpses of meaning to help us in our journey but we don't grieve as those who have no hope this isn't all there is God's going to keep his promise And he promises to take him where he is. All who believe. And the dead in Christ will rise first. What do I want you to do? Real quickly, here's what I want you to do. Number one, I want you to learn from Abraham. Some of you this morning need to give yourself permission to grieve. You need to take necessary measures for burial. And you need to attach meaning and hope to your grief. You need to learn from Abraham. Second, some of you need to find like-minded people. A great, uh, one of the things you're going to want to do when you grieve is be by yourself, isolate. Don't do that. I'm not saying don't ever be by yourself, but find people to be around, especially those who have been there, done that. That's why I love the local church. I could list, as I see faces across this congregation, I've been here long enough to know some of your stories. There are people in this room that have gone through what you were going through. There are people here going through what someone else has gone through Before. Find like-minded people that says, I know how you feel. It's okay that you feel this way. I know it. Find them. Third, be in the know of some of the things going on, some of the the ways you can get help. Be in the know. Let me mention two. Starting in January of 2020, we're going to offer Grief Share meets here on Sunday afternoons. Diana Marshall heads it up. She's helped by Richard Mueller. You can email her if you're interested to find out more. It's a group of people that walk through grief together. And from what I hear, it's just out of this world, it's very good and very, very helpful. The other thing I alluded to earlier, if you're a Brentwood Baptist member, even if you're not and you need help, Ken Korr is the Congregational Care Minister at Brentwood, and he is dynamic when it comes to helping people that are hurting. He is gifted, he is anointed, and he will help you, and if he can't help you, he will find someone who can, I promise. So be in the know. There are just a couple of ways you can get help. Fourth, breathe. It's going to be okay. We don't serve a dead Savior, we serve a risen one. And we serve a God who knows how to grieve because he lost a child. And he will join you there. Breathe. It is, I am ashamed to say it, but my watch has to tell me three times a day to breathe. Isn't it weird? I'm like, what? Breathe. Oh, yeah. And I have to tell myself, it's going to be okay. And it is. And finally, I close with this. Hope. Hope. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are never without hope. Hope. I'm not saying you don't have to not grieve. This whole sermon is how to grieve. But you are never without hope. Never without hope. Jesus is alive, and he's here to meet you where you are. Now, if you're sitting here this morning, and you're thinking, I don't know who this Jesus guy is, but I need some hope, let us help you with that. I'll be standing down front after the service. I'll be around all morning long. There are ways you can connect with me, staff, and some of these deacons that you saw down front here. They'd be more than happy to help you with that. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you know, you may be sorrowful, but you can rejoice because there's always, always hope. Father, would you help us to grieve well? Help us to be men and women, boys and girls, students who know what it is that's going on may we may you give us ears to hear our hearts give us ears to hear what's going on in our souls and may we deal with it in a healthy way father it seems weird to say help us grieve well but i do believe just like the winter season is for the ground farmland is good for it i believe grief is good for us so would you allow us the privilege to let winter do its work so that our souls can be healthy, so that we can experience you in ways we never would have. And may we be men and women who are sorrowful yet rejoicing and we grieve, but we grieve with hope. I pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You respond as the Spirit of God leads. God bless you.